Welcome to KGXT, Gen X Talks podcast live from Central California. Making plans with the boys. Gonna hit the town. Yeah, I'm gonna make some noise. I'll push past the pain. And my wounded pride. I'm gonna live it up. Yeah, stay out all night. But sure I've had some better times. And I can't count all the tears I've cried. done all right welcome to gen x talks welcome to the podcast now hold on before i know what you're going to say where's your wife where's gen x mom where's mama x okay listen to me all right this isn't that podcast. See, we do those podcasts. This is an interview. It doesn't take the place of a podcast. If you want to, if you want to listen to her beat me up and kick the shit out of me for an hour, that's coming up next. This is a special edition. If you don't like the interviews, just skip them. All right. There's a ton of people that are digging these things. It's a new direction with a twist. All you got to do, if you don't like it, move on. If you do like it, keep listening. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Gen X Talks, the podcast. We're broadcasting from KGXT. Studios 200 feet below occupied California. And as you know, we have been doing some interviews, some one-on-one with some cool cats. We have another special guest. You guys know who he is. His reputation precedes him. Dr. McDreamy. That's not his real name. That is just some crazy, stupid, made-up name that my wife put on a bunch of t-shirts and sold to all of her girlfriends. All right. Well, that part's over. Now we're going to get to the meat. This is a friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends forever, and we'll get to him in just a second on where he's from and what he's been doing. But I got to tell you right now, I'm really excited to bring him in. He is what we call the fight doctor. He is Dr. McDreamy. I just call him Damon. His name's Damon Zavala. So let's bring him in. Damon, <laughs> we it has been a it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of days around here going down memory lane, has it not? I love it. I just the, the uniqueness of where you and I grew up and the, the friends and the family, it's odd how we can go back and tie all of our family histories together. It really is. And the village people. It's that, a, that was fun to talk about. Yeah, but you say that, and there's 17,000 people go... Don't know what that is. The village people, the YMCA, <laughs> the, no, not those village people. Uh, village Christian was a private school we went to years and years ago. Uh, it's tucked in the hills, nestled in the hills. If you say nestled, it sounds wonderful. If I say village Christian's wedged in the hills, then doesn't sound so sexy, does it? Uh, nestled in the hills in Sun Valley, California. We all grew up there uh, in and around that area and went to that school. Uh, Damon Zavala, it turned out out to be a doctor. I turned out to be a mechanic working on cars, and he turned out to be a mechanic working on people. When did, you know what, growing up, I didn't know you ever wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, it, I, my, my mom is the one that actually is the one that told me, you know, about, what about being a doctor? And I was like, you're crazy. I come from boxers or bricklayers. <laughs> that's, that's really our lineage, More right? salt of the earth, get, get, do it with your hands type of thing. It, yeah. I mean, just like my dad said, I haven't worked a day in my life because I, I don't do manual labor. No, but, your dad's right. I got to agree <laughs> with him on that. <laughs> I've done some manual labor. I've done that. But, um, but did anyway. You, okay. Well, but when your mom said doctor, didn't the thing, a bell go off in your head like, that's way too much school? That's a lot of work. I, I didn't think of it that way. I, d- I didn't know how I was going to accomplish it, but she brought up things. Well, what about anesthesia? They, they make good money. I was, yeah, that's not, that's not what I wanted to do. So I grew up watching fights. Yeah. 
So MMA wasn't a thing back then, no, but it was yeah. box. It was boxing. Sure. So you remember Muhammad Ali being on ABC Wild Wide, Wide World, World of Sports, Sports yeah, right? For sure. So we would watch. I, I remember being on his. He'd be laying down. I'd lay on his stomach, and you know we're watching the fights. That's those are the memories I have. Now, not Muhammad Ali. You weren't laying on Muhammad. My Ali. dad. My All dad. Right. Yes. Yeah. So my sure. dad introduced me to this. So his father was a professional boxer. So he was one of seven brothers. You know, there's a long lineage of boxers in our family. I got you. So uh, watching fights was just something we did. And it was in, it's, it sounds weird to say, but it's in your blood. Yeah. And I dabbled in it uh, later on in life. But, but growing up, I'd watch Ferdy Pacheco. Does that ring a bell? The name does, but I'm not placing that. Who's who was that? So Fernando Pacheco Jimenez. He was the personal physician for Muhammad Ali. Oh, okay. He was All also right. in his corner as a cut man. Okay. So he ended up leaving Muhammad Ali because he was trying to talk Muhammad Ali into retiring because right. he was getting to that point where I don't want to see you get beat up anymore. So he says I can't do this anymore. So he turns into a color commentator. Okay. So that's what he did, but he was known as the fight doctor. Really? So I have a license plate that says fight doctor. You probably saw it yeah, out there. Uh-huh. So I, I feel a little bad about that just for the fact that I am calling myself the fight doctor, but the original fight doctor is Ferdy Pacheco. Well, I would say you're more paying homage you know to that not in you're not stealing it from him that's what i'm doing but, and other people might say no there's you know they might even not even know who that guy no, is. no they might not but let me back up yeah so you're not just saying when you answered your mom's question i want to be a doctor you said i want to be a fight doctor well so backing up you know i did pretty well in school got good grades yeah. and so it was one of those things well maybe this guy can kind of break the mold of doing construction and, right do something with in school and so my dad would take me to work with him in construction he wanted me to you know see what it was like to to get you know down and dirty and get, oh yeah he wanted you to he, put in he 12 wanted hour me to, days he did and, yeah. and so he kind of said he, he did that so i would continue on the path of school right so that was true so i'm thinking uh, you know fight doctor hey doctor medicine yeah i like that i was into health i was into you know, doing those kind of things that got into vitamins and, and, and helping people out. And I thought, right. yeah, I could do this. But I didn't know how I was going to do that. I didn't, I didn't think about the time in school and what I was going to take. But you, but you narrowed it down to you, you didn't consider being a pediatrician or, you know, you knew it's like if you do medicine, you, you knew where you wanted to go. So there's another piece to that as well. I don't, you, you know about my trait that I had when I was seven months old. You know, we, you know I remember growing up with you in school. And let me explain something. We went to the same private school together. It was a private school in a real small area of, of Los Angeles County, and it was from kindergarten through 12th grade. And there's actually students that made it all the way. We, like, we, I left the school. I was asked to leave under terrible circumstances, complete misunderstanding, not my fault. But there are people like you and my wife who went from kindergarten to 12th grade. What was there? Was there about 30 or three of you that made it the whole way? Something like that. That's, called lifers. Yeah, lifers that went all the way through. So they... I know what you're saying with that, with the with, where it's where it's coming from. That's what I was getting at. The trach was, you know, we I knew I knew Damon, uh, Doctor Zavala. I knew him from five years old. We've literally known each other fifty years, and I and you know I knew when we were kids. You had that you had a little indentation in your throat. I was called belly button neck. 
Well, I, I never. I, you didn't do that. No. no, no. I remember getting angry at someone who did when we were like in fifth or sixth grade because I thought it was dumb, but it never even occurred to me to ask you, hey, what happened to your neck or what I just, I just saw it. I remember seeing it as a kid and feeling, yeah, all right, you know, some kids got red hair, some kids got freckles, you got a thing on your neck and whatever happened never even occurred to me. Yeah. But, you didn't have to say it though, but people would look and that's what bothered me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. They'd, they'd look straight down like women probably with their chest, you know, hey, my, I'm up here but they're looking at my neck i never all those years i never noticed it bothering you you never i mean i was an angry kid really oh, absolutely got in a lot of fights i i never knew knew it to bother you never even knew it to be a conversation point so the part of this conversation about your trach that took you took you where in life what right so seven months old uh hong kong flu found out that i had an underdeveloped trachea called tracheal atresia uh, I turned blue. They rushed me to the emergency room. Story goes, the uh, resident under the attending went to go get a tracheotomy on me and did it to, you know, got the wrong spot. Dr. Cohen comes in and pushes him out of the way. You're going to kill this kid and does it right, saves my life. So uh, I, I had a trach for two years. So, wow. Yeah, two years. So How old was, were you when that when you had that? Seven months to two, two, a little over two years. Okay, so yeah. it wasn't wasn't when we were in school ever. No, but okay. the scar was the scar there. is what we're referring to. That's yeah. right, the belly yeah. button neck scar. You know, I'll tell you, I've got to be honest with you. You know, we hadn't. There was a period of time we didn't see each other for quite a while. You know, people grow up and get married and go along their ways and do stuff. And um, I remember the first time that we bumped into each other years later. Never, I never even thought to look at your neck. In fact, it wasn't until later, and then my wife had said something to me about, like, oh, you know, Damon um, got that thing fixed on his neck, and I was like, oh. Tenth grade. I was like, oh, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I didn't, it never, I didn't even think, it's not like, boy, when I see Damon again, I'm going to check out his scar on his neck. It never even occurred to me. You know, it, it became a thing in my family. Apparently, that happened for a reason, so I don't want to get too, you know, uh, soppy here, but my right. dad became saved uh, as a believer uh, for me going through that. So he, he kind of turned his life around when that happened to me. I got you. So it can happen, the events like that with your kids, for sure. So me getting plastic surgery in 10th grade kind of sealed that up, and it was no more really reminder for them. And I, I, it was selfish for me because I didn't like, and I was very self-conscious, but yeah. I didn't realize what it did to other people and said, hey, you're, you're kind of getting rid of this. I'm, it's like getting rid of a, a monument that, yeah. hey, that's history. Right. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? Well, you even told me what, that you didn't like how it was repaired in 10th grade and you got it fixed again later or something. Yeah, there was some what they called dog ears that stuck out and, and I had to keep, uh, kept kind of had to massaging it to get those stuck down. But anyways, it was better than that. I wasn't called belly button neck anymore. So you go, so you get this idea some point in, in early on in life, you know, you weren't in your 30s, you were younger, that you want to be a doctor. You know you want to go towards the fight doctor thing. It wasn't like you said, well, I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. Maybe I'll be a pediatrician. Maybe I'll be a chiropractor. You kind of knew if you were getting into medicine, it was going to be in this direction, right? That, that's right. But again, not knowing I had no family members, you know, how people, doctors usually, you know, have people in the family. That, sure. You yeah. know, that's right. kind of the lineage. I didn't have that, so I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. So I just said, "Well, I, I know I got to go to school for a while. Okay, I'll do that." 
I'll yeah. go to college. When someone met my, my mom, of course, she mentioned that to me. Well, do you want to be a doctor and a lawyer? And I just, all I thought about was more school. I cannot do. I was not a good student. I just did that turned me off. Anything that was going to require me in a classroom, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you know, it wasn't English, right? I couldn't yeah. stand English classes. And so it wasn't going to be that. It was going to be something I was interested in. So right. anyway, so yeah, so I, I, I knew I wanted to do that. I went, I got into uh, Cal State Nowhere, Cal State Northridge. Cal State we Northridge. Yeah. Well, that's what we called it because you didn't go anywhere from that. It was just like the bottom of the barrel. I tried to get into, you know, I, I, I aimed high thinking, let's, you know, let's go to these uh, Naval Academy and this, that. We had a, a, a counselor, Mrs. Bryson, Miss Bryson, I think you probably remember yeah. her. So she pretty much laughed in my face when I asked her if you know i wanted to shoot high and try to go there she just said there's no way son you're, you're not doing that well i want to be a doctor and she laughed again that's not wow. happening oh yeah uh, so i kind of used all those things and i'm leaving out a lot in the story about you know I, I i was told you wouldn't amount to a hill of beans in quotation marks you know so you use that feel for fire kind of like i'll show sure. you yeah so it it was necessary for me to go oh i'm gonna i'll show you did you apply at a lot of different schools or just Northridge, just I, Cal State? I, after I was told by the counselor that, you know, this is just not going to happen. Don't waste your time or money. Uh, it was Cal State Northridge, and and I was, you know, I didn't want to go away to, to college. Sure, I so, got you. So I had to save money. You know, we could commute. So it took seven and a half years to get out of there. Wow. I worked 60 hours a week at uh, VSP Parking in Burbank by the Burbank Airport. Um, it was a decent job failed organic chemistry because i had to work and so i you know it's like this is unfolding as like this isn't this ain't gonna happen sure right it sure was difficult by that point even just to get there was tough it, it was and so i just you know all my you know this is gonna happen some it's i don't know how it's gonna happen but it's gonna happen so you had to take the mcat you had to do uh you know so many classes to you know uh, for for undergrad to get just to be able to take and sit for a test right so so all those things i didn't do well in mcats and it, it was just you know i have a learning disorder uh processing disorder that you know some people call it dyslexia it's a form of that so i, I had to overcome um certain things but still my head was down i'm gonna do this i want to i want to be clear on something for the listeners and i'm gonna i'm probably gonna put this back to the beginning too is that i want to get I want to take this podcast at some point to all of, you know, I want to hear the famous people that you've met, you've interacted with, you've been in Las Vegas and Reno. It's taken you 20 years to get to the position where you've known all these people. You've been, you've been, you know, uh, rubbing elbows or, or a, a footstep away from some of the biggest names in boxing and MMA as it's grown. When MMA started at zero, nothing to where it is now. You've right. been right along the way. You've been part of that and a big fan of it too. You, you watch all that stuff. You love what it's doing. I want to let everybody know that I'm grinding through how how uh, uh, Dr. Zavala got to where he is before we just jump in with, you know, well, what was Floyd Mayweather like? I'm telling you, wanna, I don't want to let you guys think that this is all just going to be, you know, book work, but at the very end, I'm not just going to throw out there, you know, we're not going right to the to the great stuff right now. I want to build a foundation. This is a friend of mine for 50 years. It's important to me and should be important to you on how someone takes time and keeps going to get someplace. That's the dry read of it. 
All right? So just relax. Grab a drink. Settle back in your chair. Shut up and just listen. We'll do all the talking. All you got to do is listen. All right. So yeah, where did you where did you go after CSUN? You had to there was more schooling after that, right? So the earthquake happened in Northridge, right. 1994, January 17th, uh, 4:31 a.m. Remember that? Uh, got the house came off the foundation, ended up living on the lawn with my dog and a 357 Magnum. My, <laughs> my friends all left. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm sitting there and what am I what do I do now, right? So that started a pretty painful process of uh, where do I go in life? And I was putting in my applications for med school and ended up getting waitlisted, meaning I didn't get in and mm-hmm. had to wait another year. So I'm like, oh, what do I do here? So a lot of couch surfing, a lot of uh, self-reflection, and uh, <laughs> ended up uh, working at a boxing gym called Executive Boxing in Pasadena. Um, it, it was right on a Royal Parkway in Colorado where the Rose Parade goes by, right? Mm-hmm. So it was down underneath in the chamber of com- below the Chamber of Commerce building. And I worked with Adam Carolla. I worked with uh, Mike Weaver. He was really? the heavyweight champ. Got to spar with him. Got to spar with Troy Weaver, professional boxers. So uh, sparred with Adam Carolla and some of his guys there. I mean pretty cool i've got to meet and rub elbows there i'm you know yeah these are people like well adam wasn't big back then but it was mike weaver you know he he got the title from big john tate like wow you know this is and there he is yeah here he is and i'm sparring with him and he's taking it easy on me hitting me in the body and things of that nature (laughs) 240 pounds ripped just uh he was supposed to fight holyfield at the time because holyfield had that hole in the heart. You remember that mm-hmm. something about yeah. that? And he was going to go to China and do that. And then he had a, a miracle. His heart was fixed. And so that never happened. Gotcha. So I ended up, you know, doing pretty good. I actually dabbled in boxing and did very well. Uh, I actually started with Muay Thai kickboxing and then went boxing. And then, uh, you know, kind of got into med school and had a big party from Where'd all you people. go? Where'd you get in? I went to comp College of Osteopathic Medicine of the Pacific, later turned out to be Western University of Health Sciences in Pomona. Okay. So Pomona. So it didn't go too far. No, not too far. Yeah, a little yeah, further so, south. Yeah. So we that was a big deal. I mean, the best med school is the one you get into, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, and, that's, and that was true. It was a private school, so I was just piling on loans. and But I'm in. Yeah. I made it. Now, right? could, could you do it? Could I do... Could you do the work? Because now you're now that's big time. Now it's not messing around. Yeah, I, I, a few people know this. My wife know th- knows this, so I can share it. Uh, so I started dating a girl uh, in in med school. She was the year behind me, and she was one of the gunner type that wanted to you know get ahead on the next year. So right. she would read my notes to me. And so I was able to get through school. You know, your wife, uh, you know, wife and I spent some time alone together talking and we did a podcast, but we, we had some time in between the, in between the program stuff. And she was, she mentioned something to me that kind of rang a bell about you. Like it turned on a light bulb. She said, you have a, almost a photographic memory, like an identical memory on things you hear. 
Right. And I've never heard that before, but now that makes sense because sometimes you and I are talking and you'll bring up something. You go, no, no, remember what you said? I'm like, what I said when? You go, no, we were in Reno back in 2007 and we were, I'm like, how do you remember? And you said, and then you repeat like, you know, 12 sentences verbatim. I'm like, I don't, did I say, yeah, maybe I said that. I never thought about you remembering things that way until she brought it up. And Marcy doesn't like that very much. I would, God, that's it, man. That's usually a chick thing. Chicks are the ones who can bring up what you said 12 years ago. Right. And, and for you to be able to do, strike one for the men, man. That's well right. Done. That's <laughs> right. Like well, that. <laughs> I, the reading part wasn't going to happen. I tried to try to do it the good old fashioned way, and it just, just wasn't working. I just, it was too much information. They just piled on you, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I would, I, right there, I would have stopped. Right there, you're talking about there wasn't a lot of books on tape back then, and I'm sure nobody transcribed and did a books on tape for college, you know, medical classes. It didn't just, exist. Yeah. Boy, that's that. What a, what a hill to look at and say, I'm still going to climb that. I right. mean, that's just, that's incredible, the fortitude. So, how long were you there? It was four years. Two years was in the classroom setting, and then two years was out doing rotations. And I took that opportunity to travel. Really? Went to Texas, went to Tahoe. You know, I, we grew up going to Tahoe for vacations, and I wanted to go back there. I, I knew I wanted to be back there somewhere, so I did a rotation in orthopedics there and went to UC Davis. I mean, just everywhere. Just kind of lived out of the car, lived out of a, an apartment someone's house a friend i knew ex-girlfriend whatever Just so when you finally get settled in you 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 know you you're getting some you're getting your residencies and thing under your belt you know you get into where you can you start to get you out on your own so to speak where you can be your own have your own job or your own if you want to you could have hung your own shingle when you get to a certain point and you got your degree and i'm sure you i'm sure you went into some hospitals where did you, you chose the reno tahoe area was that where you first went i did i i only applied to one residency Oh, which is people thought I was nuts. I mean, just what, what are you doing? You have to. You, it's a match. They call it a match for a reason. You, if you don't match, you're done. Yeah. What are you going to do? So I, you know, I, I interviewed. First of all, I got in med school, knew I wanted to go somewhere around Tahoe. Reno was the place, UNR. Um, so in the interview process, they said, why, you know, they want, they're used to canned answers. They're used to. Uh, you know, I want to help people and give back to the community. Right. I'm not from there. So uh, we talked about boxing. We talked about astronomy. We talked about all the things I'm interested in. And I like Tahoe. I want to be here. So it's location, location, location. And, you know, I, Good I got answers. in. I got in. Wow. So, and it happened to be in Nevada, which is Nevada is the fight capital of the world. They used to have huge fights in Reno. They don't, not so much these days, but... Of course, Las Vegas is right. probably the new capital. So you get in there, and you're you know you're you building a, a, a life. You can get, eventually, you get a wife, and you get kids, and you're still you know you're always you're always building, you're always learning, you're specializing. You know you're you're picking up stuff as you go. But part of that, part of you, was always in the boxing idea. Now you told me one time. Now here you are. You're living in northern Nevada. Mm-hmm. And like you just mentioned, the, you know, kind of the, the the capital of the world. If you're not over in Atlantic City, you're you know Las Vegas is boxing, and 
you had told me, and, and I, I, I'm going to mess up how you told me this, but there was some prejudice. There was some north versus south type of feeling that, you know, you if you were doing the fight doctoring stuff in Reno, it's like, well, we don't need you down here in Vegas. You're from Reno. Just stay in Reno. We got our own guys. That type of a thing. It didn't. Did that even slow you down? No, that that that's fast forwarded a little bit just for the fact that how was I going to get into being a ring doctor in the first place? Yeah, and I, right. no, no, yeah, and I'm not saying you just went in to be the fight doctor, but for you to even have the mindset of looking south, you told me that that was kind of like a don't don't bother, they don't want us down there. Well, right, and what you're what you're talking about is the Nevada State Athletic Commission is what I'm a part of. Okay, but in order to get on the Nevada State Athletic Commission as a ringside physician, you had to put put your time in. You can't just go right on there and right. do the pro level stuff. So what did you I was have doing to do? Amateurs. I worked every amateur fight there was in a 50 mile radius of reno really i was in residency and back then in 2000 i was able to sit for and get my license and be a licensed physician right uh nowadays they they don't allow that but i was took my boards and passed it and so i was a full-fledged doctor and could moonlight okay but i'm also in residency so I've always had a number of jobs. <laughs> so it's like 14 now, but back then I was starting to build that. So I was, I was some, I don't exactly know how this happened, but there's a guy, Mike Martino, who's, he was well known. If you know, ask anybody in Reno, that's like one degree of Mike Martino. He's the guy that sought me out, heard that I was interested in boxing, there was an 80-year-old doctor that had just passed away that was doing all the fights. He was retired. Oh. So he was doing all the amateur fights, right. and they didn't have anybody anymore. So they heard he heard about me, called me up. He goes, you want to do that? I go, yeah. I said, I'll do this. First, first. And, and this ahead. was as you were putting in your time already. This wasn't the first thing. You were already trying to. I was, no, I, I hadn't worked a fight ever. But not, I, not any? No, nothing. Okay. So he was the one that got me, and he goes, you want to work? the Silver State Games in, in Reno, I said. So let me be clear on that. So when you said you had to put in your time doing amateur gigs for 50 miles, well, this guy got you into he's that? The one that? He's the one that got me into that. Okay, so right. he, I'm he, with you. Yeah, right. So he contacted me. Do you want to do this? Sure enough. So when I started doing that, I was now the guy. I was the the northern. Northern, yeah, the Reno. Northern. <laughs> so, yeah, the redheaded stepchild. Right, I got And you. I was up there doing that and... So I told you, going back to the fact that I had cousins, I had a cousin, Rudy Zavala, in the 90s, who was number two in the world. Really? Yes. He fought on the undercard of Holyfield Holmes. I mean, he was uh, sh the champ, Sean O'Grady, on Tuesday night fights on, I, I think it was USA Network or something, that was always on. He was always uh, the feature guy. He fought at the, uh, the, the, the Forum. Right where the Lakers played, sure. So he was he was a big name. Sorry. If you follow, let's be clear. That's the fabulous form. The fabulous the form. Fabulous yes. form. Yeah, we it, don't want to. And it was fabulous. natives of there. We need to. We, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So so he was well known, and if you followed boxing, you knew Rudy's. Well. So did he? You said he was num ranked number two. Did he never get a shot? Or he did, did get a shot? Kennedy McKinney, Tracy Patterson. Those are big names. He he lost to them, and he had kind of went on a streak. As you get up to that la that ladder, there's so many. The cream of the crop is up there, yeah. And he he fought really good fights. But he got a shot. He got a shot. Wow. He got a shot. And so, anyways, Mark Ratner was my executive director of the Nevada State Commission at the time, and 
the story goes, I wasn't there, but he goes, hey, who's this Dr. Zavala that's doing all these amateur fights? Because they have to be sanctioned under the Nevada State Athletic, Athletic Commission oh. as an amateur. So my name of record, and I had no idea this was happening. So my name was getting into this office and like, who, who is this guy? And he goes, well, is he related to Rudy Zavala? And they, he goes, matter of fact, he is. And it's his cousin. I said, wow, well, does he want to be on the commission? He goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he, does. he does. So I was the youngest doctor to be on the commission at you know for that time and ever so was it tough when you said you know you and i know you enjoy boxing immensely so sometimes when you're doing what you love it's not work but when you when you had to grind out all those amateur fights to start putting in your time and building it was it ever was it ever a burden on you at all with a smile good good to hear permagrin i think 35 dollars was the Pay that they would give you to for gas or what have you, <laughs> you know, driving PM. to yeah. <laughs> so you know we'd get that thirty five dollars, and back then that was actually very helpful. So I'd put it in the gas tank. Well, clearly you were doing this for the money. Oh, obviously, yeah, obviously, you know, you're trying to right. So we so you, you put enough of those under your belt, and they're you know they're USA Boxing. They're little kids, and you know they're entertaining. I'd bring my wife to some of these fights, and we had fun with it. Bring the kids, whatever. So it was it was. To get an opportunity to be on the Nevada State Athletic Commission to work big pro fights. Wow. I was like, this is literally a dream come true. And you weren't there yet. You just got on board. You were still a northerner, right? You hadn't done anything down south? No, but right. So uh, there was a couple of doctors that took me under their wing, Flip Hamansky, some of the big known uh, fight doctors at the time. And so they kind of took me under their wing and they kind of you know just mentored me and i was just all ears i was a sponge i read the medical aspects of boxing to kind of learn to see what this is all about but i also boxed i also i was was gonna say this is a fit made in heaven this is this is something that was more uh this is common sense this is you know you know when someone's hurt you can see in their eyes you know what you're looking at right Uh, you know so i learned the tricks of the trade you know from some of these folks but yeah, that was. But now, as you're building, now you, you we, we kind of got off onto the topic that, of course, that's why we're all here. But during the time you're doing this and you're kind of trying to build this career to become the fight doctor so you can get that license plate one day, you're still doing all of your. Uh, you had a real job with real patients all the time, a full time job over here. I had to. Yeah. You can't pay. It doesn't pay the bills that's the thing (laughs) so again i I literally have 14 jobs at this time and and i am able to work those fights that they don't pay much no so it's because of the love of it i mean did you at this time before you made any sort of a big jump towards doing things in las vegas did any did the big fights just kind of go away from reno completely did you get any did you get any good fights up there and why are they gone what happened to reno you know that's a that's a good question the the promotions for whatever reason the casino it's it's above my pay grade but it's uh has to do with the the owners of the casinos and and how they're going to promote it and you know the the pay I, i don't get too much into that they've tried they've had some espn fight nights they've had they've had some decent shows up there but vegas is the capital Vegas is the capital. So there, so during that time when you're grinding it out and doing all those things, there's nothing really big came across your plate up there. There just wasn't. No, that wasn't a. My first 
pro fight was at Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. And who was that? Rafael Marquez. Wow. And I'll never forget it. Don King sat behind me, and I'm listening to this guy, Don King, who I've seen. You know, I was a big fan of Tyson, and I knew who Don King was. Sure. He's sitting behind me, and he's telling stories about (laughs) doing time in prison and this, that, and the other, and I was just watching the fights but also had my head tilted back, tilted back and i'm listening just to Don a little King. bit like this like I, what'd you say back there buddy? oh it was <laughs> i i'm like pinching my literally pinching myself like i'm here i'm doing and this. that's your first big fight first and you're, big fight and you are literally sitting with and rubbing elbows right around you is is the top that yep. is the top of boxing at that time it was wow it was. yeah so I, I i did that and of course i was already hooked Prior to that, I just couldn't believe I was there. You know, I would say things like, I do this for free. And everyone's like, shut up. Don't, don't say that. We, you need to get paid for this. But because it, it wasn't much. But No, I got you. Yeah. But, but I would, okay, so let's recap. So you, you and I go to private school together. I get kicked out. You graduate. You end up at Northridge where you grind out, you know, what did you say, seven and, seven a, half and a half years, years there. Yeah. Then you move out and you go to, you're down in Pomona for another four. Yeah, right? two two years really, and then two years and two years doing my rotations. Okay, all over two the, years yeah. in rotations. Then you end up in Reno. You're doing your residency. Right now, from the time you get to Reno till the time you have that first fight in Las Vegas, how long did you have to pay your dues in there? You know, just just going round and round. Was it a short time or so? Two thousand, I was working amateur fights, and then two thousand three, I got on the commission. But it's not like I stopped doing those amateur fights. I was what you were talking about before. I'm on. I'm at the north. There's right. something like thirteen or fourteen doctors from north and south, but only three of them in the north. Oh. So I was only one of the three in the north. So if we had a fight up there, sure enough, I was going to get get the bill. But but to be called and to have the promoters pay for me to fly down there, put Huge. me up, give me a per diem. You know they don't want to do that. No, why would yeah. why would they? Right, they've got guys. They down got there. plenty of guys down sure. there. Why would they bring this guy down there? Did did that? Did so? How how many years did you put in your time? Was that just three years of grinding? So it was, that out? Well, I was grinding to put it. Yeah, right. So to I worked almost every weekend. Though. Yeah, I was going to say that I all had to, the time. I had to pay other residents to cover my weekend. Call so you so could, I could go work and get thirty five dollars. Wow, <laughs> wow, boy! You know, Damon, you just you know every time we talk about this stuff, one one thing comes more becomes more clear every time, and it's when you see something that you want that has a little bit of adversity in front of it, you just you have no problem going after it. Yeah. You just said you had to pay other doctors to cover your shift excuse me can i pay you to do this i gotta go make 35 dollars watching two guys beat themselves up and you did it but you put in the time right wow well i mean again if you're if your goal was to be a fight doctor you'd do anything for it i'm with you on that i get what you're saying i do it just it's it i i should by now you think i'd get tired of saying it amazes me when i hear you because you it's the same story and it's it's nothing but i have nothing but admiration for how you're getting and especially right now in the story how you're getting along to where you are now i gotta ask you something this popped in i'm sure this popped into listeners minds also um when you say there's 13 fight doctors that can you know about that that can handle fights and you come down from reno you get chosen hey come down and we're gonna we want to come did that 
rub anybody the wrong way. I'm not asking if you made enemies, but you had to be, somebody had to raise their hand and go, hey, why are you calling this dude? I'm right here. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, there's politics in everywhere you go. Yeah. And there's some people that have been doing this forever. Uh, there's some people that are trying to be the alpha, trying to stake their claim. And, you know, but there's four doctors at each fight. So it's like, all right, well, if they're there and I'm here, what's the big deal? Right. But if right. I just, kick someone else out that could have been there and you're flying uh, me down so it really comes down to availability right right if you're available well they should get it but there were some people that uh i think took a liking to me on the commission and when hey he's a decent guy let's let's see if we can get him you know down here well so Something you brought up to this, I'm, I'm piecing together our, our history, our past, you and I right. talking. And we were in Reno one time, and I forget what casino we were at, sitting there having a drink at a bar one time. And we talked about this, and I was picking your brain, asking questions. And you, and I, I, if I, I'm going to mess this story up, so please correct me when I'm done. Um, but you had said that you, one of the ways you got into doing all this was you said, I, you always said yes. You were always available. Like if some guy says, well, if the commission calls up two doctors and say, hey, there's a fight card over here. Well, that's not a big enough name. I don't want to go over there. Those aren't, you know, those are those aren't top name people. I just, I'll, and you just said yes. Right. You so just said, I'll go. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll do it. There's a lot of cherry picking for, you know, they'll look ahead. There's an event schedule on the, you know, the Nevada State Commission website. Right. What's coming up. Oh, T-Mobile or MGM Grand or Mandalay Bay. Sure. There's a big fight coming. Well, there's a small uh, Sam's Town Casino, you know, five fights and whatever. Right. It's just nothing, not on TV, this, that. Do you want to do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say, if you, if you just said that you think that some people on the commission took a liking to you, and then you, well, I already know that you said yes to everything that they offered you. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, I'll go. I don't mind. Yes, I'll go. You know, you're doing what you love. With you're a gonna, smile. With a smile. You know, they had, there had to be people there to go, look, man, this guy just shows up. He's not cherry picking fights. Right. He's not pick, he's showing up and he's good. Let's, you know, he's got the experience because by now, if you're picking up all the fights in Reno that you can, you're now picking up fights in Vegas that people just don't want to do and you love it. Some, the commissioner's got to be looking at these going, this guy's got 9,000 fights under his belt. I mean, he, he goes anywhere we ask all the time. Yeah. How could you, how, and you're not making waves with anybody. Right. You're not one of those guys going knocking on the door. Well, how come I didn't get that fight? How come you didn't ask me to go there? Which you know, in the world of politics, there has to be some of that going on. You're quietly doing your job, man. But like you said, the waves. So I'd come down, and all of a sudden, I was coming down a little more often. You know, they'd see me again, I, and I got some guys looking at me, going, "You're down here again? Like, I know what that means, right? Well, you know, what, what are you doing? Get out of here, kid. You're bothering me, right? You know. So it's like, oh, you, you know, I get that, and I, I had to, but I'm, I'm still gonna come, right? You're oh, gonna yeah. ask me, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing has stopped you so far, <laughs> right? So. It, yeah, I, I had to deal with that and some personalities, but for the most part, we got along with pretty much everybody there. All right, so let me let's take a pause on before we move on with the career and what you did and how you where it went from here. Why don't you tell me? I'm I'm, and I'm saying that politely, like tell all of us. But what does it mean to be a fight doctor? What do you have to do? What's your responsibilities? Yeah, that's um, 
So a fight doctor, there. I already told you for big fights, there's four doctors at each at, at each right. venue. So boxing or MMA, there's a red corner, a blue corner. You see those, and the turnbuckles and the corners. You know those, and the guy come out with you know red side, blue side. Sure. So there's a lead for every fight. The lead doctor. Lead doctor. That usually sits on the commission side. If you ever watch boxing and you can see. The people sitting in that front row and all the all those heads there. Yeah. Right. So that's the commission side. Ah. And that's where the lead will sit. The the number two doctor will be on the other side, usually on the media side. Okay. And then you have two more doctors whose whose duty is to take the fighters after the fight and do a post fight physical while the lead and the second stay ringside. Right. They always have to have a doctor at ringside in order to keep them going and some of these are plowing through that you have to get them you know you can't have a doctor in the back right so there's four doctors at every fight so the day before there's physicals for the ufc it's 9 a.m thursday morning or friday morning before a saturday fight so we're there doing the physicals on on all the fighters that come through and we have to see if they're going to be fit for the for the you know we have to call it or not right. there and sometimes we have to make that hard call you've had to make a call absolutely the fighter wasn't absolutely. able to go on yeah but medically medically but you know it, it's a no-brainer that the janitor can call that one i mean <laughs> the guy's on the ground puking and you know chest pain or whatever that's not happening so you know so we we get there the day before do the physicals Show up an hour early before the fights start, and then we get to our assigned positions. One, two, three, four, whatever. So the, wait, so the fighter passes the physical the day before. Correct. So there's not all the ones in the movies where you see them going into the locker room after the guy's all taped up and ready to go, and a doctor's looking at him one more time. That doesn't happen. No, no, that's not. No, because okay. they, the, they weigh in the day before, and you have to see them at their worst. Okay. So they're, when they're cutting weight... Yeah, that's you're seeing them at their worst, and that's why you know if they had too much of a weight cut, uh, too hard of a weight cut, it's sometimes they've done it too much, right? And, and, and they're out. So, but they have that 24 hours usually to rehydrate and get better. So some of those that are on the fence, we'll kind of let them go and see. They get better. Sure enough, they're on the fight. So All we right. show up, we do work the fight, and then we have to give a suspension. If you're in the back doing the post-fight physical. You're giving the suspensions of the fighters depending on what happened, their cuts or, you know, p potential broken bone or what have you. Right. But the lead doctor and the second, so first and one and two doc, we're making decisions inside the ring or the cage. If a referee sees a cut or sees something that he's concerned about, he, you know, motions over, come on in. Right. We'll come up in there. Or even if we don't get motioned up and we're seeing someone stumbling around that just you know, got tuned up on that round, we're going to come up and lay eyes on them. It's just like I'm looking at you right now. I'm going to look at your eyes and see. So you'll come right up to the corner. Right in the corner and look at them. That also sells this to the audience and sees that we're up there, we're concerned. Right. Right? So that kind of helps kind of that natural flow sure. of fight and you know what oh hey that's real there. yeah that's he's real. up there he's doing his job he's not just collecting a paycheck yeah, he's we're paying not attention doing it for show, but right. we're doing it because we're, we're we're concerned about him right you know have you have have you ever gone into have you ever had to go into the ring and address somebody like half knocked out or yeah I, yeah multiple times i mean so i work boxing i work ufc 
I work, you know, Muay Thai. I work uh, slap, which is you've probably seen some reels Those on that. Just... I know. I, it, it, <laughs> I don't want to get into that. I'm part of the commission. I have to work it, but I've worked every one of those. Wow. So in Nevada, the physician cannot stop a fight. The sole arbitrator is the ref. Wow. So they can take our advice and say, okay, it's over right. on the advice of the doctor. But in slap, we, we go up there. If the ref thinks it can keep going and I see something, I'll put an orange light up, come up there, and, and they'll take a timeout and say, no, this is over. Yeah. Well, so that's the only time that we can do that and really step in and do that. But, you know, everybody's so worried about slap and CTE and all the stuff you're hearing about it that it's, um, you know, that we're, it's so barbaric. But you know what? The UFC went through this thing in 1997 or four, whenever they came out, they came to the same scrutiny. Game, yeah, the same thing, trying to get placed where you mm-hmm. get convinced people it's going to be okay. There's gonna a, be okay. There can be some adjustments, and we'll get there from here. And that's what we're What doing. do you do after the fight? Do you have, to, you have a responsibility to check out the fight, each fighter afterwards? The lead has to stay until everybody's cleared out of the locker room. So, you know, they're getting drug tested they're hanging out uh deontay wilder is having a party i mean literally i worked his fight with tyson fury and deontay wilder too he stayed in there until one in one in the morning and uh and he lost but it was just that that's just what they had and i had to stay there until he left wow yeah okay so now you're, you're 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 getting more into it now. Now the people in the south are going, "Hey, what are you doing around here? You're, are you starting to get bigger fights and called more often?" Yeah. So what's what kind of put me on the map was COVID. So COVID, as you know, there was no sports going on. Right. Dana White did a great thing. He built this bubble, the apex, and he was he had you know fights happening when there was no sports going on. You remember he talked yeah. about Fight Island and doing something there. Yeah. He was going to have something at an Indian casino in California, Fresno, I believe, or something of that nature. But anyways, so we got, we, we were brought down there almost every weekend. Where were the Vegas guys? Where were the well, Vegas it was, doctors? I mean, they, they have jobs. Everyone has these, you know, jobs and they can't possibly do every one of them. But now that we're starting to get more reps, so the uh, top rank at MGM had their own bubble as well. So it was boxing and oh. MMA. So now I kind of got typecasted, even though I was a huge boxing fan, of working the UFC fights. Because up until this, you've been like mainly boxing, boxing, boxing. Right, because there were more boxing than, sure. than UFC. But now when this happened, I was literally coming down coming down on a Thursday, getting COVID tested. I got COVID tested, I think 110 times total. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, so we would have to be sequestered in there and, and this whole thing. I mean, it was, it was a sacrifice, really. I mean, I was away from my family yeah. quite a bit. And, um, you know, but Marcy completely supported me. She knew how important this is to me and, right. and was very supportive. So I'd come down, work those fights, and all of a sudden, here I am, sometimes coming down twice a week, because there was a Dana White Contender Series on Tuesday, the Ultimate Fighter Wednesdays, or what have you. We were, we were coming. I was coming down twice a week, and I was there because there was two venues going on the same weekend, wow. and there was only so many doctors. So yeah. I was part of that. How many times have you met Dana White? Uh, I mean, 
I'm there all the time, but I don't kind of in passing type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's like it's almost like the Joe Rogan thing. You know, we you, see him, but but do I ever come to? Hey, you know. No, no, but I bet if like you showed Joe Rogan or Dana White a picture of you, they go, "Yeah, I think he's the fight doctor." You Probably. Mean, you know who you were, like, yeah, you know, they yeah. recognize because you're in proximity all the time. Right. Dana White actually called me out on me stopping a fight one time. And then he ate crow. So it was kind of nice. Yeah. I, I don't know much about that guy, but did you hear about Dana White's thing with Bud Light? I did. That just came out and his theory on that. And I'll tell you what, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a huge MMA guy or even a Dana White fan. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. Seems like he's a nice enough guy. Worked hard to get where he was pushing this, you know, took a lot of risks. But he was talking about Bud Light and how Bud Light got this rap, you know, because of the Dana Mulvaney thing. And, you know, the, we all know about the can and the story and the boycotting. That's old news. But he signed an, a contract. He signed an agreement with them of some sort to work with Bud Light and using them as a sponsorship. And his words, I watched the interview because he was on Theo Vaughn. And, um, and he said, look, he goes, okay, so you don't like that one thing they did. Do you know they said because they sent that influencer, mm -hmm. that social media influencer with the picture? He goes, Do you know they sent like a hundred different influencers the same thing? They had like a, over a hundred different influencers. They say, Hey, here's, here's your picture on our butt. Hey, here's your picture. Send them out to everybody. This one got a lot of attention for obvious reasons. But then he says, You know, you don't think about all the stuff they have been doing for years with veterans. You don't think about all the stuff they've been doing in their communities and how many hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, they've pumped into things that are super important. You hang them to dry on this one thing. And he goes, I don't even care. He goes, I'm pa I'm over it. He goes, I don't even doesn't even care. If you want to do something with me, I'll work with who I want to. They want to do some good with us, then I'm gonna work with them. I mean, right. he kind of changed my mind a little bit. It's like, okay, I'm kind of over it too. You know, I, in the big picture, who wants to be judged on the one mistake or the one issue you did in your life? If right. you really did something bad or you really had a misstep. Who wants to be held accountable? Like, I don't always want to be remembered as the guy who did some fucked up thing when I was in, you know, 10th grade or something. I don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't want to be hung, hung out to dry for that. And that was his explanation. He goes, what do these guys got to do before you're going to move on? They do a lot of good. If, even if you think that was stupid, look at all the good stuff. So I don't really know him, but I can tell you that gives me a little insight into his character. And the fact that he is, uh, I think, a solid guy, just for the fact that he's looking at things like that. You know, he, he does actually care about the fighters. I, you'll see stuff. He doesn't pay him enough, this, that, and the other. No, I, he's doing right. I mean, he's, he's doing a good thing. You, you know, you want to be involved with this, here you go. And he pays him pretty, pretty darn well. I would, I, you know, I got to say that was probably the first time I've ever tried to sit down and listen to something that he was saying, because most of it he talks when he's on the news or something or in interviews, it's about his sport. I'm just not that interested in it as much as I would, you know, like football or something. But now from this moment on, I feel like I'm going to pay more attention to things he says and does, because if a guy like that, that I don't even know that in this man has no interest influence over me whatsoever can take within a three to five minute interview and plant a seed in my head. It's like, you know what? I mean, not, I'm not running out and buying Bud Light and I'm not a beer drinker, but he absolutely gave me a moment to reflect and go, that dude's got a point. 
I need to figure out a way on what I want to think and how I want to think about it. Because if this guy can make a move and go, and, and he wasn't being a jerk, he was really being honest. Yep. Why can't I? Yeah, that was my that was my experience, and you know, they, there's a lot of people that compare um, what we're doing with Joe Rogan, and I, I keep telling everybody, you got to stop. You know, no man, you need to be on the Joe Rogan show, and I'm like, okay. And I finally had to, this is for a year and a half. Everybody kept saying they knew Joe Rogan and they were going to get me on the program, and I finally stopped everybody one day and I said, okay, I want you to think about Joe Rogan. Why on earth would he have me on his show? Why? Why well, be great? No, hey, you want you want to have me on his program for two dudes smoking cigars and drinking and just telling stories? It'll probably be. A, and I and I have seen some terrible interviews that Joe Rogan's had some horrible guests on, and I can think of okay, I'd be better than that guy. Right. But if you just want to have two people shooting the shit. Fine, but we're about the same age. We're not really going to tell each other anything new. And Joe Rogan gets people on that are specialty people in areas that know more than him about the moon landing or about aliens or he has Elon Musk on. And then he does a lot of homework and he asks questions and he explores why that guest is here. What's right. he going to ask me? <laughs> he knows more than I do or as much as I do. There's nothing to ask. Now, you should be on Joe Rogan. You could come in there and he, because you know, he say, well, I was at this fight and you're going to go, I was there too. You know, you know some of the same people, a lot of the same people, and you know the stories he doesn't know, you know? That's right. what's. And he has opinions uh, mid fight on whether doctors should be stopping or something, the, the fight for a reason. Yeah. And so he could, you know, it would be nice to have that conversation of like, this is what I'm thinking. You know, it would. I, I don't know who he consults with on that, or even if he cares. But I think he does. I think he does want to know why he's he's made comments before, uh, which is rightly so. There was a fight that was stopped in New York, and Madison Square Gardens it was Nate Diaz. It was for the BMF title, right? So Nate Diaz gets gets a cut and bleeds at the faceoff, right? This guy bleeds at the drop of the hat. He got a cut. Yeah, it was bloody. Yeah, but that's what Nate does, and it wasn't in, a, in an area that I, I didn't think it should be. Your not. opinion, in my opinion, right? So, uh, you know, Joe Rogan will make comments like, "If that was in Nevada, that wouldn't have been stopped," and it's kind of funny because I actually have stopped um, a handful of fights for cuts. But the point is, is that we don't we we we, we do it a little differently, and not just for the right. the gross factor. Sure, there's a lot of blood that has to be stopped. That's right. not a reason to stop a fight. You know, they I used to I, I got to, to to be perfectly honest about it. I was not a fan of Joe Rogan. Maybe even four years ago, I was kind of like I had an I probably had. I probably had a bad opinion of him for the for wrong reasons. And then the more popular he got, the more he was kind of in my face because I kept seeing him on, on reels and shorts and, and bumping into things on YouTube. And I started listening. Then I began listening to more of his stuff. And I'm telling you, I don't know whether it's whether... I, we'll, we'll blame Joe. Joe matured over the past five years, and now I like him because he's grown up. But the truth is, I probably did. I probably matured in how I was processing some of his opinions and you know things he was saying. Um, I've, I've seen interviews where that guy tries to stand up and go, listen, I work on being humble. 
you know, when you get a bunch of money, he goes, when you get a bunch of money, it's easy to be an ass right. and be that guy. He goes, I really, he works at not being that guy. Now, some things like that that I've heard give me a lot of respect, and I'm changing, I've changed my opinion on how I view him, and I, I, I love his program. But as far as being on it and everyone pushing me, I first of all, I have no say-so in the matter, and I'm telling everybody right now, if you guys are going to do me a favor and you guys are going to, somebody knows Joe Rogan, not me, him. You get you that, get Dr. Zavala on there. I'm going to go because I'm going to carry his bags while we go there. I'm not. He's not going without me, <laughs> but I'm not going to be the guy sitting behind the microphone. That's that's for damn sure, but that would be a good conversation. Yeah, you know? I, I've, I, again, I've heard that before i you know i see him hundreds of hundreds of times the last thing i want to do and i know that he doesn't like to be approached by people no, right yeah that's the last thing he wants I'm, hey you know what am i going to say to him no, I, nothing what can you say nothing you have to wait until someone in his inner circle goes hey joe if we're looking for something to do there's this guy over here and they got to be pointing at you that's the only way i mean you, in fact i bet with joe and i'm guessing here but i bet if anybody approaches him he puts him on the do not call list right away it's like Probably. don't no fucking i mean don't don't right. tap me on the shoulder because right. you'd have three thousand people a day doing that yeah. So. All right, we got a little sidetrack. Sorry about that. It was not a plug. This is a plug for the Joe Rogan experience. Um, so, what you have gotten to a point where, you, like I said, getting to that point where you can put that license plate on your car because you're you know you've worked really hard. I got how long have you? Twenty three years now, hasn't it been? Uh, twenty twenty one actually. So 21, twenty one years. Oh, sorry, twenty one on the commission, but yes, twenty three years. Since you were been grinding it out as a flight doctor now. If the commission in Las Vegas picks who comes and goes for what like that, um, if you say there's st are there still about 13 doctors? Uh, roughly. Okay. Are you in the top three or four of who they choose? Are you in that, that rotation? Lately. All right. When did you feel like you had arrived? And I say that term loosely, but when did you sit down? Was it that one you told me about with Don King behind you? Was that when you knew I've, I've worked hard enough and I got this spot? Right. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And to do some self-reflection, uh, when I worked that first fight, the first pro fight, yes, at that point I felt I arrived. But after doing it for so long and, you know, 20 years goes by <laughs> and I'm getting passed up on big fights or getting, you know, thrown in the back for a big fight, you know, right. I, I almost, I, I'll be honest, I, you know, get a little entitled a little bit just like wait a second i've it's got a lot of time almost the most seniority i used to box i i'm a purple belt in jujitsu i do all of this so i can understand the fight game right and uh you know but what does that matter to someone else who's picking it <laughs> they, they they want the best person there right? right so i i have to trust in in my boss the executive director to make those and and i will say lately i've been last four fights i've worked i've been lead i mean it's just so i think i just want the trust right i've already arrived by that first fight sure. i want i You're can there. i'm there yeah but just and if and if you're not trusting me, I want to know why. What what can I do better? What yeah. did, what did I do? What did what did I show? You know, like like told you about Dana White. You know, kind of calling me out on there and right. social media and say he stopped that fight so quickly for a cut. He goes, I didn't understand why until the pictures got sent back to him, 
And he goes, I'll shut the F up now. <laughs> and then he, then he understand, he understood why. Sure. So yeah. well, it was kind of cool. One of those things. Yeah, for sure. A little vindication mm -hmm. without you having to say much. Right. Oh, you I know? didn't say anything. That's what I'm saying. You don't, you didn't have to make a case. You just had to wait. So, all right, let's get into some particulars here. Um, and let, let's, let's break it down into two, into two categories, boxing and other. Okay. Who was your, who was your favorite guy to, to work with, to meet, you know, to be the fight doctor for either as a lead or, or second or whatever. Like you're like, man, I, I got like, for me, it would have been like, Oh my God, I got to be right near Mike Tyson. That would have been a thing for me. Pick, pick someone boxing and someone not boxing that you're like, it was a really cool to run into that person. Uh, again, it sounds cliche, but there are so many, but I've worked Mayweather fights, uh, De La Hoya fights, and but I have to say Tyson Fury was the coolest guy to work with, and he's just a personable guy. He, he was, he, he just made things fun. Yeah. And so, and to be the best in the world at what he does, also, that's also pretty cool. Yeah. But I don't really necessarily get starstruck. That's one of the things that well, and, and I, I put asked it correctly. I said, "Who was cool? Who was like right, right, man, right?" And I but, got to hang out with that dude today a little exactly, bit. Exactly. But the reason why I'm saying it is not because I'm starstruck. It's just because they've treated me with respect. Ah. And and it's it's just a cool guy. You can tell. I'd like to go out and have a beer with that guy. Right. Right. So those are that's kind of what I mean by that's sure. You know, Tyson Fury would be that guy. Was there ever anybody that you didn't that you were like? began to do your exam and and you're like oh my god this guy needs to shut the fuck up i can't wait to get out of here was well, there just some guy that irritated you like uh yeah there's some irish guy that uh, <laughs> uh in ufc that uh i'm sure you probably can guess so <laughs> well you don't have, you could have been having a bad day you're not saying the guy's an asshole you're just saying it was a well, bad day I'll, I'll give for him, the both of you I'll, I'll cut him some slack he was you know he cut some weight he got down 145 pounds he walks around 175 and uh, he was looking pretty cut. Um, he was looking in the mirror, and it's just me and him. There's no cameras. There's no corner men. There was just just me and him in a room. Yeah, and you're there to do the exam. Do his pre-fight physical. Right. If you can imagine five minutes of me watching him flex in the mirror, <laughs> and me looking, finally picking up my phone and just just you know start scrolling through my phone just like okay <laughs> I, I, what do i what do i say to him you say dude i got a job to do get your ass over here after five minutes i did because that <laughs> felt like about five hours so he's doing this i finally looked locked eyes with him and i looked up and i said hey man we i gotta do this like i can't yeah. sit here and do this anymore i can't watch you yeah we gotta you gotta sit down i gotta get and he, and he sat down and did it and didn't really you know say much about it but i was just like <laughs> I could, that five minutes was an eternity. My God, that's so funny. Yeah, and so you know, it, he was happy the way he looked, and and that's okay. I got but, it, but he could do that after you're gone, after you did your physical, and hundred percent. You leave, then he can go back in front of the mirror all he wants. Yeah. That's hilarious. Did you ever, you know, because you because you love boxing and you know boxing, and then you're you're looking at the physicals you're doing. Do you do, do you do the physicals for both fighters at a match, or do they split up doctors? They don't split them up. They just whoever's ready comes. To, you're ready. Come on over. I don't. You know, it's the main event. It's the first one on the fight. Right. on the fight card. 
doesn't matter. I just take whoever's there. So you can do there could be a, a, a there could be a main event fight, and you you will do the physical on both fighters. Uh, I could, yeah, and yeah. I have done that. But it's it's just the luck of the draw when they when they show up. There's there's four doctors at the pre-fight physicals, so anybody can whoever's, do. Whoever's yeah, you raise okay. your hand. I'm ready. Let's go. Is there anybody? And you don't. Uh, how do you, boys? You don't want to say this and make people feel bad, but. Have you ever run into a fighter and you looked at them when they got there and you're like, oh my God, you know, you did not, you do not look as in shape as I thought you were going to be when you got here. Yeah. And like, that's shockingly not good. Yeah. I think there's two things on that. One is that they look like a physical specimen. They're ripped. This, you know, that's one. There's some people that are more softer and, you know, you kind of look at them and you're like, man, if this guy had his clothes on, you know, I could probably take him. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you get that in your head a little bit. But then there's the people that have cut so much weight and didn't weren't weren't smart about it, and those are the ones where you're like, all right, this is a, this is different, right? So yeah. one is more safety, one is like uh, you look at them and they're like, hey, you know, look a little uh, sickly compared to yeah, what you what just, you think, right? Kind of a skinny fat boxer that you know, gets in there, but they usually end up winning. Did you ever have to stop a fight and like where you could feel like you the call was on you? You had to stop the fight. You had to say something. I mean, I can imagine. You, I'm think I, I'm making this up in my head, but I imagine you know you and the ref getting to a point where they're like, "Come over, check this guy's eye or check something," and you're looking at him going, "I'm gonna have to stop this." And you got a you got a stadium of people going, "Don't you dare!" I mean, yeah. did you ever feel a pressure in a situation? Block it all out. Really, it's me. My heart rate is so high right before i know i think i'm going to get called in as soon as i step in that cage or the ring my heart rate comes down to resting heart rate really like here we are and i just i don't even you know it's funny i i kind of bump into cameras sometimes because i don't even know where they are like i'll turn around i'm like oh you know hit my head on the camera or sorry <laughs> you know i it's i just get i'm focused on you there's one fight i stopped for sam hughes ufc this is probably about a year ago um one of my pet peeves is that I see doctors wearing their stethoscopes and bringing pin lights in. And I don't mean to offend any ringside physicians. If that's what you do, that's fine. But in 23 years, I've never used a pin light inside the ring or cage. I've never taken or needed a stethoscope. It's, it's just a pet peeve. It's so, a look, man. It, you can tell. No, I don't. You don't need it. <laughs> you like, if you're going to do that, what are you doing it for? So, my point is, I got in there. The lights are so bright. Yeah. Right? You're on cameras and this, that, and the other. So, I get about this far away, as far as I am from you and I, and I see this, what's called a hyphema. It's blood in the anterior chamber starting to fill up in the eye. Right. And so, I saw that and I got closer called the fight for that and it, I, I wasn't you know it wasn't controversial it was like i walked out and everyone's like well, what did you see what, what what was that right oh she's got a hyphema oh, okay well she went straight over and you know there was no controversy but yeah i yeah i mean that's it but it i didn't it wasn't you know i don't care if someone has a bet you know, no, like I, know, I but you you could you could get close to calling a fight and there's a stadium of people that are wanting you to let that go but correct but i'm only gonna do it Here's what I'd say. I follow the fight, what's happening in the fight. Mm -hmm. If someone's getting tuned up, you know, nine out of ten rounds, they're they're gone on every card. There's it's not gonna happen. It's just it's like what are we doing? I got I get called in for a cut for that person who's getting beat up. Will I lower my threshold? Maybe. And I don't mean to 
you know, say this and like I've seen is is this guy defending himself? I have to look at that. Are you defending yourself? Right. Are you are you hitting back or are you just a punching bag? Well, right. I, if the cut is bad, that's an easy out. Okay, we're done. Right. If the cut is marginal, I you know. I have to still stick with what the fact that... What if a guy's getting beat in the gut and he may be suffering some internal damage? I mean, how do you even assess that? It's those... If you get hit... I, I was actually uh, an author on something called The Parable of the Body Shot. You can Google it and see it. I'm an author on it. And if you get hit, especially in the liver side, you're done. There's no... no they're on the ground. I mean, you know, De La Hoya got hit with one of those from Bernard Hopkins. Uh, Ryan Garcia just lost for Tank Davis by one of those. It's it's I've been hit by him. I've knocked people out with those. It's it's unmistakable. It paralyzes you. You mm. cannot come back from that. You can do nothing but think about what's happening and just breathing. That's it. Right. So there is no that person is can't even fake it. Can't even try to muster the, no. the energy to get through. So that's an easy one. So the the body shots are, you know, they're going to tell you they're out. The other ones with rocked in the head, a little glassy eyed cuts. You know, those are the ones where you know, they're going to want to continue the fight. You know, if how many how many how many referees have any sort of medical training at all? Um, I don't. And Medical the reason training. I ask, well, the reason I ask is because, you know, does it does a referee who's who's refing a fight, is he looking at that with you know thirty years of just skill of I know what fighter looks like when he's going down, I know when to call the fight, I know this guy I've been watching this guy fight since he was a kid, I you know I know that they or. I wonder if some of them have some sort of a medical training, a background, or something to look at, or if they've at least been educated by doctors like you to say, hey, over the years, watch for this. It's a great question, because before every fight, before every boxing or MMA, whatever we're doing, whatever the Nevada State Athletic Commission sanctions, we, are, we the, the, the ringside physicians and the referees, meet. We powwow for... 15 minutes and we're going to go over scenarios and we're teaching them what we look for. Wow. Now, but here's the thing. Even if they see something like that, they don't, we're telling them, Hey, we'll get you off the hook. Right. Right. If you see something that's cut and dry, that guy's stumbling, he's taking sure. shots, call it. Right. If you have any question, time out, call us in. Sure. So it, it gets them off the hook. And so they have so much to think about. Honestly, I would yeah. not want their job. That's I would not want to job. be a, a referee or a judge. They get crucified uh, on social media. I, I don't want that. I, I love my job. I'd keep it. Uh, but we want to make it easier for them, and we work as a team. It sounds corny, cliche. No, I got what you're saying. And when we're doing that. We're working with them. So they have a really good – we've had so many reps, and I think that's why the Nevada Commission – and, you know – California Commission has a lot of fights too, but we've had so many reps together that it's such a well-oiled machine right. that we rarely see it break down. That's good. I had no idea you you met with the reps and you guys talked about oh, yeah. stuff. So you're familiar with all those guys. They know you. You know them. We're, you work we're, together. We're friends, you know, they're they're they put their pants on the same way I do. Yeah, you know? and they they're, they're, they're cool oh, cats. God, they got a job, man, to do that. The pressure, oh. you know, and if they if the if the if the world thinks they made a mistake, 
Yeah. I mean, boy. Not, well, they beat themselves up too. I bet. Yeah. I bet they do. You know, they but they're part of they're they're part of the show. They when they're under the lights, they're under the lights just as much as the boxers. People are watching them too. Don't don't mess up. They are, and the sign of a good ref is to not be part of the show. Yeah, to be nice to not even know the guy was there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So in your in your tenure of doing these things, you're you're 23 years into it now. You're kind of in at least being in considered in the top circle. They consider you as much as they would do anybody else to to take on these fights and to show up and do these things. Do you ever look forward like I mean, get a little bit of a kid anticipation when you know there's a big ticket coming? You're like, God, I hope they call me. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. I was I've been a fan since I was a kid. So of course it would do. You know, I I love it. I look ahead and. Uh, and I'm I'm saying God I hope I get that one go oh, I hope I get that one and I I just got asked to do the big UFC on uh, December 16th so I, I'm working that I'm working next weekend at UFC yeah yeah uh, your wife said you you're booked you got some stuff going on yes though so, like I told you we're going out th- we're going out to Las Vegas to the Red Rock for Gen X talks we're going to be out there on January 27th if you can make it if you can clear your calendar you got something or you can fit us in it would be great to have you there you made the barbecue down here but if you can make it out there January 27th it would be awesome to sit at the Red Rock have a few drinks and of course you you and I've hung to. out and had drinks before, but this is kind of fun too because there's a bunch of people that know who we are and just they want to talk about stuff and hang out. Well, It'd they want to gr- talk to you, not me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, there's more people that, that you. I told you about Josh. Remember, Josh came to the barbecue and he's yeah. playing his guitar and singing out here. Cool guy. He texts me today. He goes, Is, is, is Dr. McDreamy there? I go, He goes, Tell him and his wife that I said hello and see if they remember me. I go, Dude, they're going to remember, remember you, Josh. Oh, yeah. He goes, Well, if they remember who I am, please tell him I said hello. And you know, I told you, he really watches what you do because he's a big fan also. So he's not the only one, Damon. There's other, there's other cats and, and, and chicks out there that would be like you know want to see him to say hello well I, I i mean i get it in the fact that uh my job is the coolest job on the planet i that's why <laughs> I, I believe that yeah. right and i know there's a lot of jealous people sure. saying gosh man if i could only do that well you didn't know what i went through to get here well they do all. now we they, just talked about yeah. it you go so, in and out for the better part of 23 years you know you yeah. waiting for your shot i've heard <laughs> i've heard the i'll carry your bag thing and if they only realize that to get into those big fights, it's so hard. I, you know, if I don't have the right credentials, I'm not getting in. Yeah. Well, that's why I said if you ever go to the Joe Rogan show, I'm carrying your bag to that. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll carry it in for you and just say, he wants his bag with him the whole time, and I'm going to stand in the corner he's holding it. He's that's, my bodyguard. That's right. That's how we're both getting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why Joe can start your interview, and I can murmur comments from the corner until right. he tells me to leave. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you can work that out, in fact, anybody listening, if this is before January 27th of 2024, um, go to the website, genxtalks.com. You can scroll around. There's tickets available. You can show up. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is our third annual, done in three years in a row. And this year, we're trying to get, it looks like we've got, you know, the uh, the peripheral cast, if you will. Iceman's going to show up. He's going to be hanging out there. Um, if we can get you there, then uh, the other one is Sun Valley Fox is going to show up. He's not too far away. He's going to come down for the weekend, too. So I think this event, we're 
we're going to have almost everybody staff related there. There's a couple that I'm still working on, but it's going to be that's that's a class picture for me where all of us are there one time. I is like, that a Saturday night? It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not working a fight, I'll be there. If I am working a fight, I'm working the fight. Maybe it gets out early. I'll be there. Yeah. Either way, I think it would be good if you could come by. But even if not, we're going to be in town for a few days, so we'll definitely connect and sure. go have dinner, do some stuff in between. Well, um, it, 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 Entourage. Have you ever just you doing in the course of doing your job, you had to work around an entourage? Have you been to something where like Floyd Mayweather has thirty-seven people with him or something? It's usually boxing, MMA. It's not that way. The physicals are so streamlined. Uh, the fighter comes in there. There's nobody else around. Usually, maybe one corner person. For boxing, it's exactly that. We have a tent, a tiny little tent. We're doing our physical, and there's like you know, <laughs> ten people trying to force their way in. Our commission is really good. We have the inspectors that will try to keep that away, and they've done a pretty good job about that. But Do all the big boxers have entourages? They do. Wow. They do. But, you know, the money is, I think, greater for the, for the boxers. There's just more money in it for whatever reason. For now, yeah. For now. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's just it just seems to be there you know there's coattails there's you know uh, yeah. there's there's family members I, I don't know well we see it at, you know just as the public we see it all the time you know in the newspapers and magazines and cell phone people going by i just wondered if it got, if it got in your way you know you had some of that has to just bleed right into what you're doing like you said can you just give me 5 minutes to do my job here well the worst is when we start talking to the fighter uh, and i mean other than if we need a translator or something but if we're talking to them and their corner person answers the question because i'll tell you the corner person and most of the time fills out their pre-fight medical. Yeah. Okay, and I'm sitting there going over with you on your medical, and they're looking at me with these blank <laughs> eyes. I'm like, what well, did I, I fill out? I, I don't what, know what did I, I fill out? out? Exactly. So, you know, I, I don't like that. And, you know, but sometimes they're, they help us, you know. Yeah. What happened here? What Hey, what went on in the gym? And I, I'm glad that... You know, their trainer is there. The guys hey, that can speak your language. Yeah. yeah. Hey, did they, this guy get knocked? Did he get knocked out? Did, you know, tell me about that. Did you, um, obviously, I don't think it would be professional in your capacity to walk up and say, once your physical's over, say, Roy Jones Jr., can I get an autograph? Can't you know, do it. You can't do stuff like that. Can't do it. But even though you would want, you know, something from those guys, a picture, some, as a fan, as a fan, you'd want to. Your professionalism was, doesn't allow it. We we, we sign. Uh, that's just something we do. It's our code. We we can't do that for the Nevada Commission. We're not allowed to take pictures. Social media. We're not supposed to really do that. We don't want to fraternize. So, uh, I got over really being starstruck. You know, early on. Yeah. Uh, so it's the fact that I get to be there, and watch them. I mean, that's enough for me, but well, you, you know, get a great seat. Yeah. And I've, I've met some of these, you know, you're you usually stay in the same hotel as where we get put up for some of these guys. And so we'll see them at dinner and things of that nature. If they want to come up and, you know, maybe they'll recognize me as one of the, sure. the doctors yeah. their physical. We'll talk. And, and that's cool. I really like that, but I don't, I don't do the picture thing. I don't. I don't really. Am I, if you look at my social media, there's really nothing on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I know some other doctors that do some fights, and that's all that's posted. You would think that's all they do for a living. Well, it's kind of funny, you know. They they sensationalize their job to the point of like, look what I get to do. Right. And I'm not saying they're not fans, but 
guys like you that are do, living their dream mm -hmm. and that are hardcore fans and have it in their blood since forever, in your case, you were born with it, at least your lineage, right. you know, those are the ones when they're not posting on social media, like, well, no kidding. They're a real fan. They love the sport. You know, they're not out there posting with a, you know, a Pepsi can going, hey, look what I got. You know, Ned, right. you're just doing the job the way you're trained to do the job and enjoying the sport in between. And nor would I jeopardize my job. No. Yeah. Why would you? Why would I? No. That's really something. And, and now you've come all this way. When you finally retire from um, the, the doctoring side where, you know, no more patients and no more rounds at hospitals and all that stuff. And I'm not talking about any consulting or things you might do. How long do you think you could do this? I've thought about that many times. And I, I, I have colleagues who are older than I am in their 70s. And uh, someone got up in, almost to their 80s and they were able to work. So I, you know, I think that, Hey, I keep myself, try to keep myself in shape. And for the reason, well, of course, to be around for my kids and my wife, but I want to be able to walk up those stairs and get in the ring and yeah. be able to do what I do. Not that it's a grueling thing, but mentally too. Hey, yeah, I, I'd have my wife be the one to tell me, Hey, if, if I was slipping, I need someone to pull me aside and say, you're gonna, you're not gonna make good decisions. I, I, I think about those things. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, of course, I'm not gonna. I'm always gonna want to do it. Yeah, for sure. But well, I don't want to go on and make a mistake. No, you don't. I could, you know, but I've, you know, like I said, I've known you for my entire life, and if I didn't think that you were a man of of good character and uh, uh, making high quality decisions, you don't just take things for granted. You absolutely put time and energy. Like one of the things you mentioned, even in today's interview, we're talking just to, in in the podcast talking about stuff is when you when you started grinding out doing those early fights in the amateur level, the first thing you said was, okay, I went and learned and I read and I studied. I wanted to get the aspect of the boxing part of the medical. I already had the medical down. I was doing it. I graduated. I got my degree and I'm, I'm working it. But you, you took the time to go learn the craft, learn the trade from that aspect. You already had the boxing aspect down. You right. did that. Then you had the medical down. And then you said you went and learned, you know, what are the finer points of how this job curtails? If you, you know how many people don't do that, even there's there's bricklayers that don't do that. Right. They don't take the time to, to go that extra step to learn a, a nuanced part of their of their field of their area. So that I'd beg the question of, really, why are they doing it? <laughs> why would you do it? Well, right. I mean, that's it's a, a job, and they enjoy it. Well, but sure. If you say, okay, now, but can you build me this? And you know, we're going to build this Catholic church. Like, oh, I don't really do those kind of archways and stuff. Is but when you love what you're doing and you're learning the aspects and you're learning the nuances. And I mean, let's face it: when you decided to be a fight doctor, when that was a when that was a direction, what a narrow choice. I mean, right? That was one small you. End of one, Ferdy Pacheco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like. When you're saying that's like a that's like a, a a brick lane guy saying, well, do you what do you, do you build? You know, I, yes, in concrete, yeah, but I don't do sidewalks. What do you do? Well, the steeple. I I just do the steeples. That's right. that's my thing. It's like, well, that's a pretty narrow, you know, vision of a, of, of, of a construction guy. Yeah, that's my niche right there. I'm just going to build the steeples. But right. that's what you did. Yeah. You picked that one thing. That's that's it's absolutely incredible and all the stuff that you had to overcome to get there. I mean. You couldn't you couldn't read the stuff and retain it the way so you found a way around that um, and in just the thing after thing and then you get stuck up and not stuck in Reno but you're separated from the south 
and you grind out the amateur circuit anyway. You know, you love it. You love the sport, and you started putting in the time. You're punching that clock, and then it, you're then you then you act surprised when you show up on the radar of the commission. Well, what do you think, man? You're doing it. You're doing the work. Oh, I know. I was definitely surprised. I didn't know my name was getting listed every time. So uh, it just yeah, it, that was that was a. Like I said, man, this is a dream come true. I, I love what I do. I've got a permagrin. I've got a supportive family that allows me to do this and be away. I mean, I love when my wife will come down with me to Vegas and kind of treat it like a staycation. And she's sure. she's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So she she gets it. She likes She won that two months ago. Didn't she win that championship? She did. She yeah. did. She's the Masters World champ. She's so, holding up a trophy bigger than she is. That's right. So she's she's into more i would say more into ufc because she goes you know because there's more jujitsu based right. on that but you know she'll come down and you know i've got her to into some of the fights and it's been not great. a lot of ground game in boxing <laughs> no if it is that's a really sloppy fight <laughs> yeah no kidding if you guys are mopping the floor with each other literally something's not going how it's supposed to right well damon um you you've been a friend of mine and, and obviously my wife and my family we've known each other 50 years i, I love you and i can't thank you enough for taking time to do this because I know you don't like to be on camera. I know you don't like to be recorded. You enjoy talking about the sport. I'm thoroughly impressed that you forced yourself to sit here and endure an hour with me because it was really important not only for i'd love hearing the stories i'd love i'd love to hear more i want to do this again with you but you're really helping out the channel because as we're moving into that radio station thing i'm gonna with maybe perhaps a little bit of uh uh motivation and renewed invigoration from your story i'm gonna keep pushing to make this radio station work i want it to be i'm not saying i want to be the art bell of what we're doing but i really think there's a niche for something that's not quite the joe rogan thing but a little something different and i want to seize it if i can so you being on here helps out a ton and so thank you for doing that well i appreciate you and inviting us down here this is great and I love talking about boxing and MMA, so this is easy. <laughs> this is easy for <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming in again. I'm going to switch over. Listen, you guys, I got to go. I actually have another show that I got to get ready for pretty quick here. But you guys, I told you this was going to be worth the wait. I warned you. I told you in the beginning that you're going to you're going to go through the dry read stuff because I'm demanding it. But if you stick it out to the very end, this is going to be one of the interviews you're going to replay over and over and share with your friends. It was a lot of fun. Doctor Damon. Zavali. He's up in Reno, does a lot of stuff. Man of many hats, a man of many parts. And now he's one of the fight doctors down in the Las Vegas area, too. He's a cool cat. Really appreciate him coming in. Thank you guys for listening. If you had an hour of your time to waste, well, why not waste it here with Gen X Talks? What else you got going on? Anyway, thanks for listening in. Wherever you are and around this planet, AM, FM, Sirius XM, or perhaps you're listening in on the Armed Service Radio Network. Remember two things. Wherever you go, there you are. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. That's right. I ain't afraid, I said it. Life is a